Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning, and we do thank you for the Word of God. And we also thank you for modern technology, so many advancements, and they are fantastic. There are so many wonderful things that we have learned and gained and figured out to help us. But at the end of the day, Father, it's your healing hand that ultimately heals us. Yes, doctors try their best, but it's your healing hand. No one knows the day or the hour, only you. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for modern technology. We thank you for science. But, Father, may we never get our eyes off of you. Jesus, who spoke into being, the creator of all things, you know how our bodies work. You know. And science is continuing to figure it out, and at times they don't figure it out. So, Father, help our focus to be on you and to use the things of this world lightly, not to put our wholehearted trust in them, but to be wise. Wash our hands. Keep our distance. We pray for the elderly who cannot meet with us because they're, they're elderly. They have to be careful. This is a real virus. It is real. We pray for those who have underlying conditions, Lord. We ask that you bless them and strengthen them for they are in jeopardy. Certain groups are in jeopardy for some reason. You know. So, Lord, we just pray for wisdom for those people that they would be wise but they would not forsake your word. They would not forsake the assembling together because we see the days are dark. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Two or three years ago, my brother-in-law came down with an illness. He went to the hospital. Um, They thought he was going to pass. It was so serious. And after five days, he started to get better. And the doctors, they, they still don't know what he had. They have no idea what he had. So that's why I say, we, we, want, we believe in science, absolutely. Um, but also know God. And it wasn't his time to go home, so God didn't call him home. You're not getting out of your appointment. You're not. No matter what you think, you're not going to miss that appointment. So you better be ready for it. January, uh, January. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Well, if you're new here this morning, we're in Acts 28, and Paul and his traveling companions have been through 14 days of a monstrous storm, so big that everyone on board, including Paul, thought that they were going to die. They despaired of life. But God sent an angel to remind Paul, to remind him that he was going to witness the gospel to Caesar. And so he took courage and blessed the rest of those on board with the good news of physical salvation. Physical salvation. The ship ended up getting stuck offshore where everyone went, abo- went overboard and they made it safely to land. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 28, verses 1. Now, when they had escaped, so when they had escaped the sea, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Notice hospitality here. Because of the rain that was falling and 
because of the cold. It was winter time. That's why Paul encouraged them not to go on. But remember from the story, if you don't, you can get the CD. Um, the owners of the ship and the, uh, the other uh, men said, no, it's okay, we'll make it, we'll, we'll be fine. They lost everything as Paul warned them that they would. Verse 3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper snake came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So Luke, being a, a physician, a doctor, is very, very specific. He's also a historian. He's going to give us great details. We continue to go through here. But Paul, doing what he does best, he's serving. He's serving even after everything he's been through. Serving. You see, Paul just loved being available to bless others. It's a good exhortation for us as well. Do we like to serve? Have we even thought of serving? Have we ever served? But we're going to see that another trial is going to come onto the scene. A venomous snake latches itself onto the hand of Paul. And the world would call this Murphy's Law. Just Murphy's Law. But God sees it as another opportunity to advance the kingdom. Please keep this in mind about yourself and the things that are coming against you And what is God doing? He is always trying to advance his kingdom. The enemy does not take a spiritual holiday. The enemy doesn't say, oh, it's Sunday morning. I'm going to leave all the Christians alone. No. He comes at us even harder. Try to discourage us. Oh, you know, it's so cold outside. Don't go. No, no, don't go. Don't get dressed. Just stay in your jammies and, and watch it on TV. Or pick it up later in the day. Do whatever. The enemy just whispers little thoughts into our minds. So I have a question. Is the devil and his cohorts behind every bush and every cold, or is it just part of the curse? Did 8,500 people last year per day die because Satan was killing them? Or was it part of the curse? The curse. What curse? Well, unfortunately, we live in a cursed world to the, due to the devil deceiving Eve, big difference here, and Adam's deliberate disobedience. Read your word. Eve was deceived. Adam deliberately disobeyed. Very interesting. Let's look at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And if you're new or visiting, we greatly encourage you to have a paper Bible. I know electronics are great, but I encourage you to have a paper Bible because your electronics can be shut off in a moment's notice. And if you don't think that's true, you're obviously not watching the news. Get your head out of the sand and wake up. Luke 13. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood... Pilate, so this was modern in that time. This this happened while Jesus was alive. Whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans, listen to the question, were worse sinners than all other Galileans? 
You see, sometimes when we see something happen to somebody, we can say, oh, well, they deserved it because. And yeah, if they're being goofy and dumb, as we're going to see, yeah, they might deserve something. But it's also life. How many of you have gotten a cold in the last year? Have any of you gotten a cold? Raise your hand if you've gotten a cold. You are sinners. (laughs) Just sinners. Have any of you gotten the flu? Anybody gotten the flu? How about the COVID? Anybody gotten the COVID? You are sinners. Man, you guys are sinners. Any of you gotten cancer? My wife was diagnosed with cancer four years ago. She's three years clean. I knew she was a sinner the whole time I married. I knew it. I knew she was a sinner. Jesus says that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Is that really what you think? I tell you, no. No. They went worse. It's just part of the curse. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And when you look up that word perish, it's eternal separation from God. Not just die. Jesus knows everybody's going to die. He knows the day we're going to die. He says it again. Or those 18 of whom, on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all of their men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, what does that mean in case you're new? Repent means to turn. When you get pulled over for doing 75 and a 55 and the officer writes you a ticket, you're going to say, I repent. I'll never do that again. But you're not going to use that word repent. Repent means to turn. To turn. That's what repent means. So once you realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior, you repent and turn to the only one who can save you, who is God, because you cannot save yourself. You have to be perfect. You have never sinned once in your whole life. And no one here, everybody's sinned. You probably sinned once this morning already. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise, all likewise perish. The end of the curse is death according to the word of God. In between is everything imaginable. So what we would call bad things, they happen to the believer just because we are part of this cursed world. But even when dealing with the effects of the curse, we have a choice in how we deal with the situation. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that all things work together for the good. Oh, don't you love that verse? Except when you're going through that all, then you don't think of this verse, do you? See, this is a verse when my wife was diagnosed that we went to. All. All means all. doesn't mean some. Most of it. Uh, the ones that I like. No, all. All is all. All things together for good that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. What's God's purpose? Salvation. The gospel. We're ambassadors for Christ. And since that time, Claudia's had open doors to minister to other people who have been diagnosed with cancer or who are living with cancer, and they know that she's a cancer survival. So you know the routine. They're more willing to listen than to me. I I have no idea what you're experiencing. I'm sorry, but I have no idea. But Claudia can say, I know what you're experiencing. Chemotherapy. I understand. Radiology. I, I get it. And all of a sudden, there's that open door of ministry. 
You see, God can work all things together for the good. I also see in this verse a great example of how to live life without tempting God. Mark 16, 17 and 18, so that's an easy way to remember it. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So believers, as believers. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, the gift of tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any, de- and any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I don't think we should take this verse as an encouragement for believers to do bizarre or dumb things. I brought a rattlesnake with me this morning. Who would like to come up and grab it? But this is happening under the banner of Christianity in some churches. Let's see how much faith you have. That is just downright dumb. I think it proves stupidity instead, and we, should, we, call script, and we called scripturally to never test the Lord. Several people have died doing that nonsense, and it makes Christianity look absolutely ridiculous. No, if it's God's will, he will keep us safe through those situations, as we're seeing here in the life of Paul, that should otherwise hurt us or kill us. So what does Paul do? We're going to see in verses 4 and 5, shake it off. Shake it off and get back to what the Lord has called us to do. Minister to one another. So as you're going through your trial or your tribulation, whether it's a day, a week, a year, 10 years, shake it off. Shake it off and get back to what God would have you to do. We prayed for our oldest son for 20 years. We could have been grippled in fear and anxiety and worry and everything else, but we just shook it off and said, God, he's yours. We dedicated him to you as a baby. Have Adam. Drive him into the ground. Spare his life. Break his face. Do whatever it takes. That was my prayer. Do whatever it takes to get him to look up. We've got to keep ministering. Shake it off. Shake it off. Hmm. Verse 4 and 5. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another in Murphy's Law, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. So notice justice through animals. No, God is just. God is all love, but God is just. Do not mock God. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. I like that to me. Best snake is a dead snake. I can't stand him. Paul is quickly judged by this group of islanders who have gathered to help. And they declared that he is one who escaped the fate of the gods, little g. But Paul just takes it in stride, holds the snake over the fire to get him to let go of his hand. If it's not one thing in the life of Paul, it's another. Here's a question. Would you and I be taking this kind of stuff in stride? Remember, he's in his late 60s, early 70s. The older you get, you do have a tendency to take more things in stride. You just go, eh, well, that hurt a little bit, not as much as I thought. You see, the more we grow in our trust of knowing the Lord, very important principle. Young people, very young believers, very important principle. The more we grow in our trust of knowing the Lord and that he knows what he's doing instead of questioning him, God, why would you do this? Saying, God, I don't know why you did this, but I want to know, so if it's your will, show me why you're doing it. The more we'll find ourselves taking these types or those types of 
interruptions and stride. The flat tire, or maybe helping someone on the freeway when you have a schedule, and you pull over and you change the tire, and they don't have a spare, and you have to take them to discount, and you buy them another tire, and you take it back, and you put it on for them, and you God bless you, and you get the witness on the way. That, that's life. It's an interruption. It's an interruption. It actually becomes kind of fun and a blessing to see what and how God takes care of us. Now, for further study, if you'd like to, too many scriptures to go over, the serpent is representative of Satan. You'll find that in the scriptures. We've all been bit by sin. Fire is judgment in the Bible, and Jesus took the wrath of God's judgment upon himself by sacrificing himself on a tree, which is obviously made up of wood. So, you know, for further study, you guys can check that out. Now, they knew what kind of snake it was, the natives did, and that they had attached, attacked Paul, and they should have fallen, he should have fallen over dead. But we see that God protected him and is going to use it for his glory in verse 6. However, they were expecting that Paul should swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Little g. It sounds like America today. Science, uh, common sense. Science, common sense. Science, common sense. Which one are we going to go with? Verse 7, in that region there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. The chief magistrate's name here was Publius, which is of Latin origin and means popular, popular. So Publius received Paul, Luke, and Aratarchus into his own house and took care of them. And while there, the Lord allowed Paul to bless the father of Publius by healing him of his fever and dysentery or of his bowel ailment. Notice that Paul laid his hands on him and prayed for him. So the question should be, was it Paul who healed or was it God who used Paul to heal? And that's where you want to go to scriptures. Mark 6, 12 through 13. If you have a question about the scriptures, Go to the scriptures. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed. This is when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, including Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Judas went out and ministered. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Again, turn to God. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. They went out two by two. That is very important. James tells us in 5.13.14, Is anyone, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. We all have emotions. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Notice that, plural, elders, which would be what? Two or more. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we see a biblical principle. I don't understand it. I'm not called to understand it. I'm just called to believe it. So wherever I go to a hospital or a home visit or even on a Sunday morning, I always have oil in my pocket. 
is this something special because I carry it? No, it's oil. But oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and the scriptures say to do it, so instead of fighting God, I'm just going to be, have that childlike faith, not childish, but have a childlike faith and do what God calls me to do as an elder. If somebody comes up for prayer, I'm going to anoint them with oil. Let God do what he wants to do. If he wants to heal them, it wasn't me. Was it the oil? <laughs> bottom line, it was God. That's the bottom line. It was God. So we don't have to be superstitious or super spiritual people. Any of you can carry oil. I encourage you to do it. If you find yourself alone and someone asks for prayer, don't panic and say, oh, I can't pray for you because there's not two of us here. Don't do that. Get out your oil and pray, okay? But we have a general rule. In the scriptures, you're going to see general rules. You can always make an exception to the general rule. Don't make an exception and turn it into a general rule. That is very dangerous. So be very, very careful as you interpret the scriptures. So we have the the rules. You can always make an exception. And that's why we always say after every service, please come up. We would love to pray for you. If you're sick, I don't understand why you don't come up. I come up. I have people pray for me. Don't be embarrassed. It has nothing to do with lack of faith. Let me put this out there so that maybe you'll come up. It has nothing to do with lack of faith. It has to do with the curse. We live in a cursed world. Come up for prayer. And the elders will anoint you with oil, and God's will be done. Verse 9. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Do you guys see what's happening here? It's a testimony. It's a witness. Did Paul orchestrate all this? When he was leaving Caesarea, did he say, hey guys, in about 30 days... Make sure you got oil on you because there's going to be a shipwreck and I sent word ahead and so there's going to be a bunch of healing on an island. Paul's just living his life. He's just going through life. Oh, snake. Ah, Nasty thing. Fire. Good. Dead. No more problem. Let's go pray for over here. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And all of a sudden now he's not just going. People are now coming to him. Why? Why? Because of his witness, because of his faithfulness, just simply being faithful. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. You see, the Lord did a mighty work, and the people blessed Paul and his companions with whatever was necessary to finish their journey. Now, it doesn't say in our text, but I think it would be very safe to assume that Paul preached the gospel to these people. I have no doubt that Paul preached the gospel. The Lord opened the door and the disciples walked through it. This could have been a miserable three months. And sometimes when I'm around Christians, I'm just going, man, you love misery, don't you? But I'm not going to join you in your company. Because I know misery loves company. I don't got time for that. But there's just some Christians that are like Eeyore. Just doesn't matter what happens. With poor attitudes because of all the inconveniences that this trip had caused. But instead, the disciples were ready to be used by God. As I've already mentioned... Often, again, these are principles. I have 45 minutes to disciple you. Can't do it one-on-one. So I'm trying to teach you principles. As I've already mentioned, often inconveniences, inconveniences are opportunities for ministry. Please make a mental note of that. Inconveniences. You see, our flesh will want to behave or react in a certain way, which is usually in a selfish way. 
But if we, are, if we surrender to the moving of the Holy Spirit, we'll see God's hand moving mightily amongst us and working through us. Here again is an important biblical principle. Opportunities to be used by God. You see, God has opportunities. Matter of fact, it's Ephesians 2.10 that God says, the word says he's already preordained opportunities for us if we would just walk in them. Paraphrasing it, you look it up, Ephesians 2.10. Opportunities to be used by God are often dependent upon the attitude of the vessel to be used. You see, you as a believer, me, I'm a vessel. It's like the pot. On the wheel, the, the, the potter is God, and he's fashioning and molding us. Do I want to be used of God? If I ask you that question, I think every single one of you Christians would raise your hand. The rest of you are waiting to get out of here. You can't take it anymore. But you Christians would raise your hand. Of course I want to be used. Who would say, oh, no, I don't want to be used by God. We're all going to say, yeah, I want to be used by God. Do you really? Well, this week, make that your prayer. And if you're sincere in your heart, I can guarantee you God's going to answer that prayer. But then the next step is, are you going to be ready for the inconvenience? Are you going to be ready for the disruption? Are you going to be ready for that? That, again, takes prayer every single day throughout the day. But if your attitude is right, God's going to use you. And it might only be for five seconds. It might be for an hour. But God will use you. God will use you. Let's look at Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Guys, right now, this is so applicable to you and I as believers, as we as believers are going to be labeled as hateful. We already have been. We're going to be labeled even more. Um, I've mentioned it to you for two years, probably two years now. If you haven't read it, read the Equality Act. Uh, Our current administration is going to sign an executive order putting it into place. It's a direct attack against churches and against Christianity. Not against Muslims, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. It's a direct attack against Christians. They, they make no bounds, bones about it. And so we have to remember, we love. Even though people hate us, we love. That's what we are. We're Christians. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So the knowledge tells us it's going to get worse. So we shouldn't be surprised by these things. These executive orders that he's, that he's signed already, sending billions of dollars to foreign lands for abortions, tax dollars at work, that's your money. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, being right with God, not self-righteous, oh, I'm better than you, no, 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 no. Righteous, just being right with God and, and encouraging others to get right with God. Because if they're not right with God, they're going to hell. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Verse 11, back in Acts twenty-eight, eleven. After three months, Luke, just a lot of details. We sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. The twin brothers were considered gods, little G's, Castor and Pollux. They were the heavenly sons of Zeus and Lydda, 
according to Greek mythology. They were supposed to bring good luck to the mariners who displayed them on their ships. Let's look at Psalm 89. Look at Psalm 89 real quick. Maybe Luke included this information to show that God is in control and not the gods of Greek mythology. And if you've been doing the daily reading uh, the last few weeks, you've noticed how God uh, showed that the Egyptian gods were nothing, that he is God. There is only one God. Well, Psalm 89, 8 through 17 says this, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You have broken Rahab, and Rahab is emblematic of Egypt. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. Heavens. The first heaven is everything within our atmosphere, according to Genesis. The second heaven is everything outside that atmosphere. And the third heaven is heaven itself. Forget what the Mormons have twisted. Just go to your Bible. It's that simple. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The word in all its fullness. You have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name, mountain ranges. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. And the right hand in Judaism is symbol of strength. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness they are exalted. Again, not self-righteousness, just being right with God. Guys, one day we're going to be exalted. And the unbeliever is not going to see us judged because we're not judged in heaven. We go into heaven clean. We go through the Bema seat, the reward seat, but we're not judged. Are you going to come in or not? The righteous will see the judgment of the unrighteous, but not the unrighteous of the righteous. Very important. So, in your name they rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness, being right with God, they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and in your favor our horn is exalted back in Acts. Notice, and in your favor, which we've mentioned, Paul is receiving favor, favor, favor. 12 through 14, and landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. So we got a little map here. So as I'm reading this, you can kind of see, this is Paul's travel from the far, so it'd be your right, from the far right, Starting in Jerusalem, Caesarea, this is what he's been doing, Crete, Malta. You see Malta over here, lower left. And now he's going to go up to Syracuse, Regellum, and he's going to work his way up to Puti Olai, I think. Try my best. Anyways, from there we circled around and reached Regellum. And afterwards, one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puti Olai where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And so there's a little picture. And we just got this off of the, the internet, off images. You can find this. But Luke gives us very good details of their trip towards Rome. 
They left Malta and headed south, 80 miles to Syracuse. Then they traveled another 70 miles to Regium, and then finally 180 miles to Putioli. And in Potioli, they found fellow Christians who asked them to stay with them, in which Paul agreed and enjoyed their fellowship, we see, for seven days. Verse 15. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum. So you'll see, you'll see uh, Apiforum on there as well. So now they're on land. And so they started to go on land. Let's see where we at. Verse 15. Uh, and three inns, when Paul saw them, he th- notice this, guys. Notice how important church is. Is church essential? Church is essential. For several years, Paul, is, it's, it appears, has been alone, locked up in Caesarea. He's been able to see people. We, we read that, but we don't hear of anyone coming to visit him. That doesn't mean nobody did, but at least it's not recorded. So here we see that he is just so thankful, so thankful. He thanked God and took courage. And I want to encourage you, whatever comes this year, just so you know, people say, well, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? We're going to buy guns, ammunition, and beans. That's the plan, right? We're going to show up at church and pray. So if something major comes down, get your family together first. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get our family together. And then we're going to head over to the family of God. We're going to pray. God's got a plan and a purpose, guys. It's going to get crazy. If you don't think it is, you have not been awake the last six months. It's going to get really, really crazy. And so that's the plan. Are we going to continue to meet if the government says you can't meet? Yes, we're going to continue to meet. There is no science. 16 people per day additional died in Arizona. Do you know how many people live in Arizona now? You California people are driving us crazy. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. But we're up to 8 million people now. 8 million people and 16 additional people died per day. Let's shut the whole state down for those six people. Let's ruin our economy for those 16 people. Guys, it's, it's global. We have to go down. Once we go down, the party's over because we support everybody. Look at your clothes. Look at your shoes. Look at the things you drive and buy. Are they made in America? Pfft, hardly. Very few things are. It's just reality. Which is about 80 miles north of the seaport of Putili. It appears that there are two groups of believers that went to meet to greet Paul. One group met him at the Forey of Apollos, and another group met him 10 miles north at the Three Taverns. Rome is now, Rome is now only 30 miles away. We'll probably wrap up Acts next week. Paul's long-awaited moment of seeing the capital city was just around the corner. Guys, we're going to heaven. It's just around the corner. It is just around the corner. If you speak out against the current administration, if you speak out against the numbers, if you speak out against the virus, if you speak out against the shot, if you speak out, you're censored, you're, you're dropped, you're, oh, you're bad. Oh, you're one of those people. You can't have another opinion. There's only one opinion. See, having these believers come and meet him must have been a great encouragement, as we just read. And so what happens in verse 16? Now, when we came to Rome... He's there now. He's in Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul, the favor of God. Notice how we mentioned this several weeks, the favor of God. I believe we're going to have the favor of God. Does that mean we're not going to go through hard times of persecution? Not at all. Not at all. First 300 years of the church, five to six million Christians died. But God's going to use us. If we stay close to him, he's going to use us. 
But here we see Paul got favor. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And we'll see next week that he was in a rented house for two years. So he's now in Rome. Again, the favor of God. Paul was able to live in a comfortable house with one Roman guard at a time, watching over him, probably rotating every six hours. And I can guarantee you that these guards heard the gospel. Those in power are obviously not too concerned about this old man fleeing his situation. Next week, we'll see that Paul used this situation as a wonderful opportunity to reach out to his fellow Jews with the gospel. So please read ahead. Finish up Acts chapter 28. Most of the Jews rejected Paul, and so as we've seen through his travels, he would then turn to the Gentiles. He just didn't give up on what God would have for him to do. And for us, for you and me, let's do the same, guys. Let's do the same. Let's not zip up our Bibles and quit yet. <laughs> let's stay focused. Let's not give up on those around us that are going down fast. America is going down fast. Whatever analogy you want to use, 747, roller coaster, whatever, the ship is sinking fast. Titanic's going down. We've only got so many days to get the gospel out because we're not going to be preaching in heaven, guys. There's no witnessing in heaven going on. There's no sinner in heaven. Only on this side. So let's not give up on those around us that are going down. Father, we pray that you would use us this week. Lord, help us to pray for those around us. Help us to witness to them, not out of anger, not out of fear or anxiety, bitterness, resentment, but actually out of love. We love them enough to speak the truth in love, even though there may be negative ramifications. Help us to be calm. Help us not to get in the flesh and snap back, but help us just to be good examples of Bible-believing Christians this week to do the right thing. Help us to lead them into a relationship with Christ, if that's your will, Father, that we'd be able to pray with them to receive Jesus in the parking lot. Wherever it might be, Lord, that someone would receive Jesus. Father, I thank you for the young adults who went out Friday night, planted seeds and watered and shared the gospel and planted, and, and people are now having to deal with the truth that they received Friday night. Lord, you never give up on man on humanity. You never will, so why should we? We're not going to. Use us, Lord, for your glory this week. Use us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.